Hello and welcome to yet another episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. This show is for entertainment purposes only and extremely not safe work. This particular episode is entitled Meta 2022 10K. Now, most of you are probably listening to this on my podcast, but I am actually recording a video for this. It's going to be on YouTube. You can find the link to the video in the podcast description and on my new website, Hansen Asset. Dot com. All right, let's get started. So number one question, do I understand the business? Well, the social media aspect of the business, sure, it's advertising. I think of it as a digital newspaper where the algorithm, the AI, it tracks your behavior and your relationships and your demographic and it curates the content you see. So your friends and your family, what they post, what they comment, uh, news stories, what ads may be relevant to you. It's all fairly genius. The VR headset aspect of it, um, we're going to get to in a little bit. But yes, the advertising, social media platform part of it, yes. Number two, will the company be around in five or ten years? Well, again, the social media aspect of it, Yes, and the reason why I'm so confident is because last year I read through all of their 10Ks and their earnings releases and their earnings calls going all the way back to their IPO. And Mark Zuckerberg, he doesn't just show a willingness to change. He shows a determination to forsake short-term profits for long-term goals, which is what you want to see as a long-term investor. So the original example was the newsfeed. There was a time where the newsfeed was controversial or them acquiring Instagram in 2012 for a billion dollars was considered controversial or the switch to mobile. So back in the day, most people would log on to their computer and view Facebook that way. And you had the two columns, right? You had the newsfeed and then you had the ads. Well, with mobile, the screen was too small, so they had to integrate the ads into the newsfeed. And at first, that was a headwind. Uh, then, of course, video. Now, could you imagine Facebook without video? Uh, but they had to introduce it, and it, that's expensive. Video is extremely capital intensive, just ask Google. And the latest iteration is Reels and Stories, which they are using to combat TikTok. So long story short, do I think the social media aspect will be around in five or ten years? Definitely. And that's because of Mark Zuckerberg's willingness to see where the puck is going. Now, where that kind of works against him is with this next bullet point, the consumer hardware aspect of it, the, the VR, AR headsets. I don't think that's going to be around in probably 10 years for Facebook. I think Apple beats them like a drum in that space. And by the way, I realize I'm referring to Meta as Facebook interchangeably. Pardon me. Just just the way it's going to be. But let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the VR thing here. So does Meta have any competitive advantages? Well, the first bucket is intangible assets, and the most pertinent one here is brand. Facebook has a negative brand, right? Hopefully I'm not talking out of school here. Uh, it's the only company I know of where politicians don't want to accept Facebook's money. Like, that's a sign something is wrong. Like, if a whore doesn't want to take your money, then you might want to rethink your life here. So that's why Facebook rebranded to Meta. You, know, you can tell Mark Zuckerberg has been doing some human lessons where he's kind of like learning to like to blink and he talks with his hands. He shows a bit more expression. Um, he's showing improvement. But as a side story, I don't know why Facebook even puts Mark Zuckerberg out there. I'm not trying to criticize him and I'm not trying to criticize people that perhaps have the same uh, condition. I think Mark Zuckerberg... 
he's on the spectrum. I don't know if I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's autism. I don't know if it's Asperger's, but like there's something about him. That's why when he appears on television, people refer to him as like a reptile or a robot. And I just, I don't get why he's even the face of the company. They brought on Sheryl Sandberg to be that face of the company. And when Zuckerberg had to go up in front of Congress, the company wanted to put Sheryl out there, but Congress demanded Zuckerberg make an appearance. And Zuckerberg actually wasn't that bad because our congressman just didn't know how the internet worked or how Facebook worked. And so like that became the new story, not so much Zuckerberg's um, mannerisms. But I'll never get why they continued parading Mark Zuckerberg out there to be the figurehead. Like, just hire a celebrity to be the spokesperson of your brand, like every other fucking company. Like, why do you have him out there? But so, yes, yeah, so they have this negative brand because people associate Facebook with, you know, tracking your identity and stealing your information and selling it to advertisers and colluding with Russia and Republicans and all these, all these negative things. That's why I didn't understand when they acquired Oculus in 2014, they required you to have a Facebook account to use the Oculus device. And it's like, they should have just kept, and this was this was before Facebook was a shit brand in their defense, but they should have just kept those two things siloed. Or recently they changed the name to Meta, but they changed Oculus to Meta too. So instead of it being an Oculus Quest 2, it's a Meta Quest 2. And it just, it shows a tone deafness. Like you have a negative brand. Why are you slapping it? If you want your VR consumer hardware to succeed, why are you slapping with this shit brand? Especially when they're gonna have to compete with Apple, which is just like the epitome. It's like the the epicenter, and that's the right word. It's it's the apex of consumer hardware brands. And so if if a consumer is given a choice between buying the Apple consumer hardware product or the Facebook consumer hardware product, it's no question. Of course they're gonna pick the Apple. It's it's it boggles my mind. And especially when you start to get into the technological aspect of the VR uh, headset. So the Facebook one, the processor and everything is in the headset. Whereas with, if Apple does make one, it's not official, but um, presumably they're working on one. Uh, the Apple headset can just tether to your phone. So the processor doesn't have to be in the headset. It doesn't have to be like bulky and heavy and expensive. Well, I'm sure it will be expensive, but it can be sleek and cool. And because all the processing is being done by the supercomputer that you already have on your person 24 seven at all times anyway. Um, so it's not only a brand disadvantage that Facebook has, it's a technological disadvantage. Now you might say, well, how come Facebook doesn't just make headsets that tether to your, to your smartphone if everyone has one? And that would defeat the purpose of Facebook even going into the space to begin with. So Facebook's business is all about getting eyeballs on ads, right? Well, Apple or the smartphone in general acts as a middleman between those two. So Facebook isn't in control of that relationship between the uh, the consumer and the advertiser. And so that's why Facebook tried to get into smartphones and they of course failed miserably. And that's why they're trying to get into VR right now. Moving on, cost leadership. Over a company like Google, yes, because Google has to pay the content providers for YouTube and for blogs and things, whereas uh, Facebook doesn't, right? The content providers just do it because they want the likes and the recognition. Um, high switching costs, no, you can just switch back and forth between social media platforms. Uh, network effects, yes, for older users. So if you're millennial or older, then you want to be on the platform that has your friends and family. If you're a younger user, not so much. Uh, younger people are more concerned with looking cool and things that are new are cool. Things that your parents are using are not cool. So network effects, yes for older people, less for younger people. Uh, legal and other, just please be aware of consumer privacy law changes 
The big one is GDPR in 2018 in Europe. That spread. California copied it to a certain extent. Brazil. These laws just make it harder for Facebook to advertise. Uh, it lowers the ROI for advertisers, the return on investment. Um, it just makes it harder for them to track people. And same with the iOS changes that we're going to get to that Apple instituted. But the, the counter argument to this is kind of like these privacy law changes, the, these iOS changes, they're like a wildfire going through the forest. And so Facebook in this analogy is like a redwood and they're able to withstand the heat of the fire while your competitors like your Twitter and your Snapchat, they're on such paper thin margins, unlike Facebook. So like the, the fire really affects them. So that's, that's kind of the counter argument. But the counter argument to the, that counter argument is that Google is less affected by um, these privacy law changes and the iOS changes because Google's advertising revenue is less about tracking users, although that's definitely part of it. And it's more about just like keyword association, like people who search for this can be advertised to with this and there's a relationship there and it'll be relevant and give a good ROI to advertisers. Uh, moving on, lawsuits. The big one is Cambridge Analytica. There's a lot of misinformation about this story. The news media just really misrepresented it. Um, if you want a good book, it's called An Ugly Truth by Cecilia Kang. And I've read a lot of books on Facebook. You know, the Stephen Levy one is good, but it's very pro-Facebook. There's a lot of other ones that are very negative, uh, anti-Facebook. I thought An Ugly Truth by Cecilia Kang is the best kind of middle of the road. Well, it still paints a negative picture of Facebook because, I mean, it is what it is, uh, but it's at least the most uh, non-biased one that I can find. And it, it helps explain what really happened with the Cambridge Analytica story. Uh, moving on, um, you have antitrust investigation by the FTC where they're trying to get Facebook to divest Instagram and WhatsApp. One of the bull cases for Facebook has been that Facebook can just keep acquiring more and more social media companies to stay relevant with younger users. Uh, no, they're not going to be able to do that at all. Uh, the UK has ordered Facebook to divest Giphy. Now, the significance of this is how insignificant Giphy was. Giphy was a... This was Facebook's defense. They were like, Giphy is a shit website that no one uses anymore. It was a mistake to buy it. If we divest it, no one will want to buy it from us. Um, so the fact that they still had to divest it just kind of shows you um, the antitrust regulatory environment in the world today. So yes, Facebook is not going to be able to acquire you know TikTok or anything of the sort. Um, and then the FTC is trying to block Facebook from acquiring Within Limited, which is a uh, like a VR health company. I mentioned the iOS changes before. It got started in 2021. Facebook estimated it cost a $10 billion revenue headwind in 2022. As far as I know, they never updated that estimate. And as far as I know, they've never given a 2023 estimate. But it, of course, is something to be aware of. Moving on to the numbers. The revenue is about half Facebook and half Instagram, which is about 3% VR. Now this half and half, uh, that's a rumor. They don't actually break it out. So if I'm wrong, you know, please let me know. Uh, some relevant uh, metrics. You have daily active users. These are people who have logged into Facebook or Facebook Messenger on any given day. You have monthly active users, which is the same as the da daily, except, you know, over the course of a month. And they're transitioning to active person. This includes Instagram and WhatsApp. For the purpose of this presentation, I'm going to be using users which just focuses on Facebook um, for a few reasons. One is more visibility right now. Uh, you have a better history with users. And also, users make up the bulk of their revenue. In other words, 
uh, people who aren't on Facebook but are on Instagram and WhatsApp, those people make up a very small part of the revenue according to uh, the 10K. And I, I imagine that's primarily just like the billion users they have on WhatsApp that aren't really generating any revenue for them. They're still trying to figure out the, the WhatsApp business model. Um, then, of course, average revenue per user, which is just revenue divided by the monthly average user. Okay, moving on to some charts. Uh, I realize my face is in the way. I realize some of you are listening to this, not seeing it. I realize the resolution might not be great on YouTube. So I'm going to explain this the best I can. Uh, the blue is U.S. and Canada. It's about 90% U.S. So if I just refer to it as the U.S., Forgive me. Orange is Europe, gray is Asia Pacific, and yellow is the rest of the world. So the blue goes up like a freaking bullet for the last six years or so. And then it, it comes down this last year. Well, what happened? Well, COVID. COVID pulled forward a lot of growth as people were just sitting inside on their computers, on their phones. A lot of growth got pulled forward. And then as things opened back up, they, these tech companies gave a lot of that growth back and Wall Street punished these tech companies for this. Um, in Europe, you're seeing much of the same thing as far as the rise and a little bit of a pullback. And then in Asia Pacific and rest of the world, you continue to see it go up. Okay, so revenues are going up, great. Uh, where are these revenues coming from? Like what are the key metrics uh, for these revenues? Well, there's, there's two different ways I want you to look at it. The first way is gonna be illustrated in this next slide so these black bars are total revenue so the clusters you saw before just kind of imagine those stacked on top of each other they're now the black bars on this graph then you have the green line which is the growth of ad impressions so essentially the number of ads people are seeing and that's going up that's tracking with revenue so which makes sense right the more ads facebook shows the more money they make the red is average price per ad uh, the growth of such um, and this has been flat the last few years. So we're gonna get to why, but the, the key point here is these two metrics make up revenue, the number of ads and the price per ad. But why, how come the ad impressions are going up and how come the average price per ad is kind of meandering? Well, this next graph is gonna show you monthly active users. So again, the blue, US and Canada, that's saturated. That's staying at 220 million, somewhere in there. Uh, monthly active users, okay. Europe, kind of the same thing. It's sticking around 400 million and it's just kind of staying there. So their growth is coming from Asia Pacific and rest of the world. So that's why the number of ads is going up because they're getting growth in monthly active users. And of course, they're still showing more and more ads to existing users. But this graph also illustrates why the price per ad is meandering. And it's because you're expanding into these less developed countries. So this just happens with international expansion, right? When you first uh, expand internationally, you're gonna go for the high margin countries, your high GDP per capita countries, your most lucrative markets. And then as the integration, uh, sorry, as the expansion continues, uh, you're gonna move into your less and less profitable uh, markets. And so that, so the interesting thing about the international expansion into these less and less developed countries is even as your average revenue per user goes up in every single geography, in aggregate, your average revenue per user can actually go down. And that's because of the international expansion into less developed countries. So you can see the average revenue per user is insane in the United States. It's uh, over $90. This is a per year, by the way. 
Um, in Europe, it's about $30. You can't see it because of my, my face, but in Asia, it's about $10 and the rest of the world is lower than that. Now, what's relevant about that Asia being $10 revenue per user is that's where the US and Canada was 11 years ago. So one of the bull cases for Facebook, and you can make this case about any number of com uh, companies, is that as capitalism continues to work its magic around the world and lift people out of poverty, American companies are gonna continue to reap uh, the benefits. Uh, we've talked a lot about revenue, let's talk about costs. Uh, so the black is capital expenditures, and the gray is share-based compensation, and the red, is, the red line is headcount. So capital expenditures. In 2016, it was less than $5 billion. In 2022, it was closer to $35 billion. What has fueled this change? It's not VR. They've mostly expensed the VR uh, costs. This increase in CapEx is because of data centers. These tech companies like Netflix, Google, um, Facebook, Amazon's cloud, Microsoft's cloud, these are all extremely capital intensive. And we're going to get to a little bit more of that uh, later. Their headcount was a little over 20,000 people in 2016. It's over 90,000 people uh, as of 2022. Now, they did just lay off 10,000 people. So last year, they hired 20,000 people. And then in this first quarter of this year, they've already laid off 10,000 people. But yeah, these are the big drivers of cost for Facebook is uh, you know CapEx, just the data centers, and then just uh, having shitloads of people on payroll. Okay, let's talk about VR. The black bar is revenue, the red is costs. They had about $2 billion of revenue last year from Reality Labs and $16 billion worth of costs. So Reality Labs is causing a $14 billion headwind to their operating income. Pardon me, $14 billion. So any forecast you do on Facebook has to decide what happens to Reality Labs. Is it going to go away? <laughs> Which is what most investors are praying and hoping for. Um, is it going to become profitable? Which I don't really know if anyone expects. What's going to happen to it? It's a key variable. What I'll say is you have to afford management their mistakes. So I used to invest in Google until I decided I was tired of making money. And the reason why I divested from them is I thought this other bets thing they're doing, this you know blue sky, is just never gonna pay off. And, and look, I was right. Every year they waste billions and billions of dollars on these, these pet projects that don't make any money. Not only do they not make any money, they don't make any revenue, okay? So I was right about that, but I was of course wrong about selling Google because the advertising business was just so lucrative. It could afford to have the monkey on the back. So with Facebook, that's my rationale, is that their advertising company is so good, it can afford the monkey on its back of Reality Labs up to a point. I mean, if they still have Reality Labs in 10 years and it's still knocking tens of billions of dollars off their operating income, I've probably made a mistake in my investment. Moving on. Oh, I should have mentioned that. I am invested in Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple and Microsoft and any other company I mentioned over the course of this broadcast. Uh, their income statement, uh, starting at the top with revenue, uh, currency headwinds cost them $6 billion. Uh, Russia moving, as in like moving out of Russia cost them money. I think it's like 300 million. The iOS change, as we mentioned before, is a $10 billion headwind. And then it's the generally soft economy, the soft, the soft uh, advertising market. 
Um, so I want to draw your attention to EBIT, which is income from operations on here. It's about $29 billion. If you look at their footnotes, they had a lot of restructuring. So it's about $4.5 billion worth of restructuring, termination, and severance. Uh, the severance is for firing all those people. Actually, no. There wouldn't have been because that wouldn't have shown up yet. Hmm. Let's look into that. Um, the, the restructuring and the termination is they're changing the type of data centers they want, which is concerning. So they're moving towards a more AI-centric type data center. And we'll get to why that's so concerning in a, in a minute, but that, that's a concern. And then uh, about a billion dollars uh, in depreciation from just them extending the, the lives of their servers and network equipment. And like every tech company does this and you just have to account for it. It, it makes their numbers look a little bit better the year that they do it. So anyway, my adjusted EBIT is about $32.5 billion for whatever that is worth. Um, their, their balance sheet, so cash is easy, $47 billion in cash. Uh, their debt, so I have here their debt, I have their tax liability, I have their legal, and I have legal speculation. Let's talk about legal speculation. Um, they're going to get hit with lawsuits. All right, they're just going to, with all the investigations of them. So I'm just throwing $20 billion out there It's just like, whatever just i know they're going to get hit i don't know what the number is going to be so there's 20 billion dollars i'm knocking off their enterprise value fine which i guess i'm adding it to their enterprise value in any case um and then the the tax liability the, i'm actually wrong here i think i'm like double and tripling parts of their tax liability so this net bet this net debt figure of 12 billion isn't super accurate um you know for a four or five hundred billion dollar uh company it's doesn't really kind of have to be um, it's just going to add like one to the multiple either way. So it's not a huge deal. But anyway, that's how that's what, that's what we strive for here at How to Suck at the Stocks. We strive for the utmost inaccuracy. No, I just eyeball everything. Um, but it's okay to eyeball as long as you know you're eyeballing. You don't want to like pretend you're being precise and then eyeball. Um, so finally, their cash flow statement. Um, we talked about the impairment charges uh, before, so I really want to draw your eye to the discrepancy between appreciation and amortization and purchases of property and equipment. And then, of course, principal payments and finance leases. So uh, those second two, purchases of property and equipment and uh, principal payments on finance leases, that's your capex. So that's, let's just call that $32 billion. And then you have depreciation and amortization, which is less than uh, $9 billion. So you have this huge discrepancy. Okay. And why this is important is because the way I calculate uh, growth capex is very naive. I just say, okay, here's the capex number, which is the 32. And I'm going to say the maintenance capex number is just equal to the depreciation, which is about nine. And I'm going to say everything else is growth. Okay. If I'm wrong about that, then that's a huge discrepancy. That's uh, over a $20 billion discrepancy every year, which is has an insane impact on the valuation of the, of the company. And this is why the restructuring of their, of their data centers gives me so much pause, because I've been accounting these data centers they've been building as growth CapEx, but if it turns out they've been building a bunch of obsolete uh, warehouses, you know, these aren't data centers, these are just, okay, mistakes. Well, then that can really add up because they spend a shitload on those data centers. So if those data centers are obsolete, that becomes, becomes a big problem. So anyway, something to be aware of. Um, and then I built a Sankey chart because Sankey charts are awesome. 
and you can't actually see the Sankey chart in all its glory. So let's let's move it. There we go. Oh. Okay. Well, thank you very much. This has been Dan Hansen with How Not to Suck at the Stocks. Um, oh, I should get an evaluation a little bit. I look at what their estimated future IBIT is supposed to be. Let me move my face back up. Okay. And then I compare that to their, uh, their enterprise value. And last time I checked, the multiple was like 14. If you understand the risk with Facebook, like if you just understand all the bear cases, all the lawsuits, all the, the obstacles of the VR, and just, if you understand all that, and you just think, hey, it's, it's, it's cheap enough, that's priced in, I'm getting it at a good enough price to take that risk. And if you kind of go into the investment with wide, with your eyes wide open, that's good. Um, but just don't, I don't, just don't look at the multiple and go, oh, that's cheap, and just buy into it. I really want you to understand like why it's uh, so cheap. Uh, relatively speaking. And hopefully this presentation did that. And if it didn't, well, oh well. All right. Well, if you enjoyed it, uh, please tell a friend. And if you didn't, please tell an enemy. Okay. Bye-bye.